How's it, guys? We worried that no one would come to the 8 o'clock service <laughs> with the weather like this, but instead you chose to come but sit very far back. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> Kim, you're normally at the front. I'm going to actually time myself because, as you know, I'm not very good with following time, nor do I ever prep according to time. Let's get this open. Cool, we go, we good. And my earrings might fall out. I don't know how to clip them in, and so just now I lost one, but I think they're in now, hey? Are we good? Cool. Um, guys, I, I have the privilege this morning of speaking about our giftings. What's inside of us? What's God doing with it? Or what does he want us to do with it? Um, but to start, I wanted to tell a story. So um, I love telling stories. Um, and if you spend a lot of time with me, you're now told too many. So let's get my notes out so I don't lose track. Um, so I went to boarding school up here. I'm from the South Coast originally, and then came up to St. Mary's for boarding school. And being an Enneagram 3, um, if you're starting to get the taste of the Enneagram, we like to impress. And so I arrived at St. Mary's, and I had written the short story in, um, in um, my grade 7 year. So this was obviously arriving in grade 8. And I walked into this like fancy English block for the first time, arrived in my class with this new teacher. They were yet to do like your assessments as to where you, you were going to fit in. And I went up to her with this short story that I'd clearly packed in my bag. <laughs> this is so Enneagram 3 from grade 7. And um, you guys can put up that first, first slide um, with images. Next one. That's what it's called, the sermon. So this is what the picture was. So this isn't the exact picture. I actually can't find it. But it was a little African boy um, who looked orphaned and poor, and he was holding this little steel bowl. And what they told us in grade seven was to find a photo and then to write a short story. So obviously that's what we've done. So this is what I arrive with to this teacher in grade eight. And I show her, this very fancy English teacher who speaks beautifully, and, you know, and I show her my little story, and she reads it. And I literally still remember, again, my Enneagram three, of her saying to me how she loved the part where I described the little boy rubbing his legs against his sheets to try and keep warm. Anyway, she quickly forgot my talent in writing, and I was in the C class for English <laughs> from grade eight until matric. And, and even though I did manage to matriculate with an A in English, I had learned very quickly from my C-class experience. Was anyone here in the C-class in English? There we go. You see, we chose speaking instead of writing. But I quickly learned in my C-class experience that that's what you should do in a career, is rather choose to speak because no one can correct your grammar. And so, <laughs> and so that's what I did for the first big part of my, my life, was that I chose to walk in that career path. And then, three years ago, um, I had an injury that turned into chronic pain, which a lot of people have heard about. And um, it was in my bed rest season when I couldn't really walk, and I definitely couldn't get dressed and sort of be up there, you know, inspiring people. And so I was mostly on my bed praying or reading my Bible. And in that time, God reminded me of this dream I had to write. And it ended up in, in being able to write my first book and then second, and, and the journey continues now. But who knows here that what you might have missed in your life, God can more than make up to you. I'm going to say it again. What you might have missed in your life, God can more than make up to you. But we need to learn to trust him. And I, I was um, testing this out with my daughter, this whole gifts idea, and I asked her, so she's six, if she knows what her gifts are. 
she could name about 30, okay? <laughs> and if I'd left her for a while, I'm sure she could have come up with a few more. Um, she is very gifted, let's be honest, but no, I'm teasing. Any child can usually do that. But if I asked you what your gifts were, my guess is that like the more confident of you might be able to name about three, but most of us would say, um, can I get back to you? <laughs> and, and this is so true for so many of us. And yet, when I was prepping this message, even though I know that I'm supposed to pull in relationships and, I, and I'm going to, what I felt more than anything was this very clear message from God of what he wanted to say to the people that would come today. And that is that you were formed in his image. I'm going to read you in, in Genesis, and I mean, how mind-blowing is this? So I know the scripture well, as do you, but I didn't know where it was. Maybe as didn't you. <laughs> um, and, and so when I went to find it, I always Google first where it is. In Genesis 1 is when God says this. Like, this is the start of, of the Christian story. This is the start of your story, and this is what it says. Then God said, so I'm reading Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image, to be like ourselves. I'm going to read it again. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image, our being um, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God, to be like ourselves. In other words, for you personally, God made you to be exactly like a part of him. So when God looks at you, he actually sees a reflection of himself. And yet he calls you unique. He calls you unique, which, which means that the thing that he put in you is different to the person next to you. But not just that. The thing that's inside of him is the thing that he put inside of you that's different to the person next to you. I wrote here, <laughs> to be made in the image of God means we are the visible reflections of the invisible God. The visible reflections of the invisible God. I want you to look at this image for a second. You can put it up, guys. Gosh, this image moved me. I saved it as my screensaver of God creating us. And now I want you to close your eyes with me. And I want you to imagine yourself standing up and you can imagine yourself as you are, or you can make yourself into a cartoon or whatever you want to do, depending on your Enneagram type. And I want you to imagine that inside your stomach, and don't imagine like organs and things, I'm just meaning like your character stomach, inside are these little gems. And I want you to imagine like the most beautiful gems that you've ever seen, like beautiful colored gems. And they're just sitting there like in the center of you. And then suddenly you see that they like come alight. And so it's these, these things inside of you that are like glowing. Can you see it? And now I want you to imagine that, that God walks up to you. And you sort of look up and smile. And sort of put your hand over your stomach sort of like hiding this funny like tiny little gifts inside of you. And then God points down at his stomach and you see the exact same things that are in you are in him. Those same colored gems shining brightly. 
And then when you look around, you see so many other people with so many different colored gems inside of them. Crystals, beautiful things shining. But none of them are the same as the ones in you and the ones in God. Jesus, I pray that today, Lord, as we look at Scripture, as we look to you, Father, that you would reignite those gems within us, Jesus. That you would make this idea that we are created in your image to be like you more real for us this morning. Amen. You can open your eyes. I always make people close their eyes like 15 times while I speak. Um, has anyone ever caught themselves, those with children especially, or perhaps even you don't have children and you might have caught yourself saying this, that um, you really hope that your children don't have your personality? <laughs> anyone said that? Or you hope that they don't have your spouse's personality? <laughs> you don't have to put up your hands for that one. <laughs> Just think about it secretly. Um, but again, I, I think... Um, especially those that were there on Tuesday night um, for the Enneagram. And um, what Matt didn't say is we're doing the exact same session on Wednesday night, so don't come again, um, just to clarify. But if you do know your type, I want you to know, um, or just your personality, if you just know you, um, that, that what God sees, he wants in your child. <laughs> what he sees inside you, he put there for a reason, because it's inside of him. He didn't make his mistake. He didn't say, like, Gosh, I just wish we had a few less Enneagram type threes in the world. <laughs> um, I know you didn't create that many. Apparently, there are more sixes than any other type. <laughs> I married one, but I don't know where they got that theory from. But, but he doesn't say that. God actually says that he, he really hopes that your child has more of you. We're going to look at scripture this morning, and, and I'm so excited to dig into this because it's a scripture that I love, but it's one that God's really sort of showed me new parts, and I bet you've never seen this before, me come and preach with notes that I've actually written out word for word. When my brother did his wedding speech now, um, he got married on New Year's Eve, and this is what he did as he was going. He's not a speaker. He spoke beautifully, but as he went, I can't tear mine up now because I'm preaching the same sermon next round, but he would literally, as he finished one page, he would scramble it up and throw it in a ball on the floor, <laughs> and he didn't realize why we were all laughing at him, <laughs> ticking it off. Um, cool, we're going to look at scripture. Let's put it up, guys. Cool, you can read up there. I'm going to read from my notes. Um, I might not even go there in my Bible, but it's, it is from my exact Bible. Okay, Exodus 4, verse 1 to 4, so we're still very early in scripture. Um, so just to give you some background before we get into the scripture, what's happened is Moses is, God's just spoken to Moses through um, the bush, you know, when he speaks through the burning bush. Okay, but Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff, and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab it. Sorry, and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. I don't know about you guys, but, but I know for me, even knowing your gifting or knowing um, what God's put inside of you, the, the talents, the anything along those lines, usually when we approach those, we, we start with what if. 
but what if? Like, what if people say something? Or what if they actually don't think I'm that talented? What if I publish a book and no one buys it? Um, you know, what, what if, what if, what if? Much like what Moses did here, even after God had spoken to him in person, I mean, God actually spoke with words, and yet still, Moses' first answer is, but what if? And then God says something that's actually outstanding and something that's, that can be extraordinary in our own lives. He says, Moses, what's in your hand? And I want to put that out there today and, and say that God's asking us that today. What is in your hand? What's in your hand? It could be time. It could be money. It could be an empty home. It could be compassion. It could be a sporting ability, it could be hospitality, a technical ability, a musical instrument, a car. I'm, I'm just trying to throw out as many things as I can, but God's saying to you now, what is that in your hand? And what I love about the scripture more than anything is we know that God's in the business of using ordinary things and ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God's not in the business of choosing the extraordinary much like this, he uses a staff, like the thing that Moses, well, actually every, every person sort of had one in those days. And, and yet that's what he asks Moses to throw on the ground. But he wasn't actually asking Moses to throw the staff on the ground. And I love this. And this is sort of a new, new insight I've had. So stay with me. So we know the end to the story. Okay, and I'm sure you know when I say we know the end to the story. Okay, so this is when, for the first time, God is saying to Moses, please go to Pharaoh, speak to Pharaoh about freeing the Israelites so they can go to the promised land. Okay, and this is the first time that he's saying, off you go. And then Moses says, oh God, but what if? Okay, and, and God says, no, just throw your stick on the ground. Okay, can you see that I'm real? Now it's a snake, pick it up. Okay, off you go and do your thing. And Moses goes to Pharaoh, and we're so lucky because we get to see this from the outside. He goes to Pharaoh, and, and what happens? Moses' what if comes true. Pharaoh doesn't believe him. The very thing that Moses was worried about happens. He throws the stick on the floor, and he sees the miracle happen, and yet the people don't believe. And so my guess is that God actually wasn't doing that miracle for Pharaoh to believe. He was doing it for Moses to learn to trust him. When we give God our gifts and we start with a what if, it's not that the what if won't happen. The first step is actually saying, okay, God, I'm going to trust you with my gift. And then we jump forward in scripture and, and we go from Exodus 4 to Exodus 14. And in this time, what's happened is, you know, when the plagues all come, like locusts and warts and, you know, all of those things, then the, um, the death of the firstborn children, well, not then, I I'm, I'm, didn't read it in order, but you know the story. Loads happens between this moment of God using the staff and where we're going now. Let's put it up, guys, the next scripture. This is just mind-blowing. We are now standing, Moses is standing at the Dead Sea. Okay, he's not just holding a staff anymore. He's now just standing, looking over a sea with a gazillion, I don't know how many, Israelites behind him who are now about to cross the sea and Pharaoh's coming with his army. And this is like proper stuff, like you're standing in front of the sea. Now Moses, we know, is the same guy who a few chapters earlier was scared just to go and tell them what God had said. Now he's standing in front of a sea but in that time, he's learned to trust God with his gift. And this is what God says. God says, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? 
Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff. Same thing, guys. Same gift. Pick up your staff. Raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And just pause there, guys. Sorry, can you go back one? Sorry, Dion. I just want to point out here, he doesn't say, pick up your staff, raise your hand over the sea, and I will divide the waters. He says, divide the waters. In other words, you've seen, you've seen now what I've placed inside of you. Lift up that staff, and the waters will part. And you can go to the next verse. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. I'm just going to have a sip, sorry. We've gone from a Moses who asked what if to that what if actually happening, but Moses learning to trust God, to then Moses standing and raising his staff and watching the, the Dead Sea, literally the Red Sea, open up for these people to walk. And what does God say? He doesn't say in this scripture, and now Moses, you're learning another lesson here, yeah? you know, much like the first one. God then uses that same gift for his glory, for his glory and for serving others. The initial one was for Moses. Moses needed to learn to trust God. But when we do this in practice, when we've learned to trust God with, with our gifts and what he's put inside of us, and, and often more so, and I think this is such an easy way to know your gifts, is what has he put in your hand? Much like he asks Moses, what is that in your hand? When we learn to trust him with that, he will start using that not just for you, but he'll start using that for you to serve others. And he will start using your gift for his glory, remembering that the gift that he's placed in your heart and the gift he's placed in your hand is inside of him too. And so if we don't use those gifts, we're rubbing the world, we're rubbing our neighbor, we're rubbing our spouse, we're rubbing from him of showing the world in an, in an invisible God. Are we getting this? Cool. I'm going to ask you now what we're going to do is we're going to close our eyes again. And I'm going to walk us through some scripture that I just want to read over us. In James 1 verse 17, it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. In 1 Peter 4 verse 10, it says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. In Romans 12 verse 6, it says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. You can keep your eyes closed now. But I feel like today God wants to speak to two groups of people. And whilst I could continue speaking, I don't think that he wants to speak through me right now. I think he wants to speak to you. I think he is speaking to you. And so the first group of people that I want to, to point out this morning are those who perhaps you're gifting the things that God placed in you, perhaps that, that long-lost dream, 
Perhaps it's just the thing that you know you're good at has been squashed over the years. Perhaps it's been controlled. Perhaps it's, it's just disappeared as you've gone about ordinary life. And for that group, and if that's you, with our eyes closed, I would love for you to put up your hand now. No one's looking except me and God. Thank you for those hands. And I feel God saying to that camp right now that it's time. It's time you reclaim your staff. It's time you, you close your fingers over that thing that is in your hand and you say, okay, God, okay, I'm ready to trust you with that first very scary step. And then I want to speak to a second group here, to a group that feel like you are using your giftings and you've learned to trust God, but you know there's more. You know that your gifting might not yet be, be serving those around you or serving within your relationships. And whilst it's bringing God glory, you know that your gift could be used in, in such a, a bigger way for God's glory. If that's you, you can put up your hand now as well. No one's looking. Cool, thank you for those hands. And I feel that God's saying to you this morning that he is ready to help grow your gifting and to use it to serve others and in turn to bring him glory. And I'm going to pray over us now and then we're going to do a, an activity. Jesus, you see our hearts and you saw our hands. And Father, this morning we know how significant this idea of hands is, Jesus. Father, I pray firstly for the group here who, who need to reclaim their staffs staffs, Lord, who, who you're asking this morning, what is that in your hand? Father, I pray for fresh answers. I pray for fresh perspective. And I pray just for a fresh release on those people's lives whose gifts have, have been squashed or hidden or controlled or, or just disappeared. Lord God, I pray, Jesus, that right now that you would rise those gifts to the surface again that they would know what that thing in their hand is and what they're ready to, to trust you with to take that first step. Father, I pray for that group now, Jesus. And I pray too for that second group, Jesus, who, who too have their hands out, Lord, but um, who are holding on to whatever that gift is and maybe even holding a bit too tight. Father, I pray that you would empower us right now to to hand that gift back to you, Jesus. To come back into obedience, Jesus, with our gifting and to allow you to use that in our relationships, Father. Father, I pray, Jesus, that, that as we walk in this truth, Lord God, as we walk in such a simple truth that you are the giver of good gifts, 
that we are made in your image and that we possess something that no other person here possesses. And two, Lord God, that we have this opportunity to serve people and serve you with what's inside of us. I pray that revelation, Lord, would become more and more real every day as we go about our lives, Lord, and we would learn to trust you in a deeper and more real way, Jesus. Amen. I like feel so quiet this morning. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the cold. Dion, can I ask you to go back a few slides and go back onto the picture of the face? Um, it's about, yeah, gosh, that was amazing. <laughs> I would have gone through all of them. Um, what we're going to do now, guys, we, I'm going to ask you that if you are here with someone, then I'm going to ask you to turn to that person. And if you are here on your own, um, then perhaps there's someone here that you know that's on their own too, and that would be amazing um, if you can grab that person. Um, it would be lovely if we could be in pairs, threes, anything like that. If you don't know anyone, Matt and my husband Hendrik would love to come and sit with you. Um, and um, what I want you to do with that person, and this is probably hardest when you're very close to the person, um, is that I want you to recognize the gifts within them. I want you to call out the gift in them. I want you to use this moment now, knowing that the Spirit of God is here, to say, um, just like I did on Tuesday night, it was so easy to talk about my husband because he wasn't here and it wasn't recorded. <laughs> but <laughs> lots was bad and then it all turned good <laughs> and had a happy ending. But um, it's so much more difficult to look at him and to say um, that, that it's amazing how loyal he is and that he is the most incredible friend, and that when he chooses his friends, it takes a long time to actually connect with people. But once you're in, you, it's going to be very difficult um, to leave because he is just abnormally loyal, and he sticks around, and he's looking away. And because if he looks at me, we're both going to get tearful. But what a beautiful thing. And I think um, right now, yes, you're made in God's image, and yes, it's a beautiful concept that he's put something of him in you, um, but it's time we call that to the surface. Um, so if you can't think of anything in your friend, then maybe you can pray together or just encourage each other that this is a cool idea. Um, and I'm not going to time it. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to um, say don't leave for the first like two minutes um, and you're going to do it. And then I'm going to do a like close and pray. No, I'm not. I'm actually going to call Matt up um, and then you're welcome to leave. Or if you really are getting into this and it's actually powerful then and you're now both in tears like Nix and Clive will be here <laughs> and then um, they Enneagram 2 and 3 it's a disaster <laughs> heart people um, then you um, pray together maybe or do something that maybe wouldn't have happened at home cool turn to the person next to you or if three is more comfortable do that find a friend if you um, can I can see Greg's on his own H Matt you're up 